I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm speaking with Francesca Ganey, Chief of the Immigrant Health and Cancer Disparities Service at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, and Director of the Center for Immigrant Health and Cancer Disparities. We're here to discuss immigrants, especially undocumented immigrants, and the U.S. healthcare system. Dr. Ganey, what's your focus in your current position? What sorts of issues are you dealing with? In my current position, I'm continuing the work that I began um, at the Center for Immigrant Health at NYU, uh, which is to decrease health disparities for immigrant and minority populations to try to ensure equity in health outcomes across populations and um, to increase access to health care that's culturally and linguistically responsive. We do this Um, We try to improve the health of immigrant communities through community-engaged outreach, education, service delivery, research, and then also program and policy development to make sure that our research is translated into action at the community and systems level. Are there disparities in health as well as in health care? Absolutely. We see that not only are there access disparities, differentials in who can come into care or who does come into care, but that health outcomes really vary across populations. And um, that is seen in terms of differences in disease incidence. It's seen in differences in disease outcomes once people are diagnosed with a disease. Um, And it's seen in differences in how we care for people and the outcomes we see across the spectrum, for all the way from screening through to end-of-life care. Cancer care, which of course the institution you're at now focuses on, can obviously be very expensive. What sorts of resources are available for immigrants or undocumented immigrants, and how does their cancer care differ from that of U.S. citizens? Well, yes, cancer care can indeed be expensive, and um, that is a very important reason for making sure that all people living here, immigrants, be they documented immigrants or undocumented immigrants, citizens who may also have been immigrants, and everyone has really good access to primary and preventive care and to screening services. Because if we pick things up early, if we, you know, help people embark on healthy lifestyles early on, then we can prevent a lot of the disease um, and the morbidity and the disability and the costs of a diagnosis later on. So um, it's really important that we give everybody access to those services. Once somebody is diagnosed, the kind of care that they can receive really varies by locality. And different states, different cities have set up different types of systems that are, you know, variably effective in making sure that immigrants have access to the same degree of cancer care with the same outcomes as non-immigrant populations. Unfortunately, in a lot of places, cancer care comes only through emergency Medicaid. And emergency Medicaid, or technically Medicaid for emergency services, or care really is there in its strictest sense to provide financial compensation to the facility treating the person only to prevent loss of life or limb when it's gotten to that point where it's needed to prevent loss of life and limb imminently or pain, severe pain. Uh, So it's not a provision that enables ongoing care. It's really there for when things get very dire. 
We're really fortunate in a place like New York to have a, a city hospital system, Health and Hospitals Corporation, that's really dedicated to provide high-quality services to immigrant populations, be they documented or undocumented. And in New York, actually, within one of those health and hospitals corporations is a comprehensive cancer center at Queens Cancer Center, where people are really dedicated to ensuring high-quality care. But not every state has a similar, or city has a similar arrangement, similar system. And then, unfortunately, um, undocumented immigrants are oftentimes left out of the insurance structure and are uninsured and end up going in as either charity care or not at all, and it can be really dire. In a current Perspective article, Ricardo Nuila tells the story of an undocumented immigrant in Texas who was dying of cancer and wanted to go home to Guatemala to, to die. So the healthcare system arranged to make that happen. Is that a sort of situation that you run into? We see that frequently, and we um, work closely with consulates to try to make a return home possible if it's what the person wants. And we, we do a number of things to try to make care at the end of life as humane and responsive as possible, no matter what somebody's immigration status is. So that is something that patients often want, is to go home, spend their final days, weeks, surrounded by their family, back in their familiar surroundings, and it's really a strong desire of theirs. And when that happens, we similarly try to work with the consulates or with other organizations that have funds set aside for this and that have a focus on this. And part of what we try to do is make sure that on the receiving end, that when somebody gets home, they still are able to get pain management and really symptoms management so that they're as comfortable as possible before they die. The other thing we work to do, um, if that's not feasible or the person doesn't want to go back home, they feel more comfortable in the care system here, is that we try to bring relatives over. We've had, you know, a lot of uh, collaboration to try to get family members temporary visas to come up and to provide the support for their family member and really help usher them along um, in a way that it's comfortable and um, humane as possible up here. And so we work towards getting family members up here to help their relatives out. Do you find barriers to that, either in funding or in the case of returning people to their home countries in having viable partners with whom you can work in those countries? That's where the consulates have been incredibly helpful in identifying physicians, other providers who can help when the person gets back home. But you're right, it is not always possible to do that. And then, like, we say goodbye to the patient sometimes with our hearts in our mouths because we're concerned about what services they'll get at home. But um, we try to send them along with as much as possible, speak to the family members who are going to be caring for them in advance, uh, brief them on what needs to be done, what to expect, and try to make it work as smoothly as possible. About five years ago, Susan Oakey wrote a perspective article for the journal that described a, a dire situation for undocumented immigrants and the many barriers to care that they faced in this country. And of course, since then, with the recession, even states that might previously have been generous to undocumented immigrants have been less and less able to do that. And as James Breen reports in a current article, the Affordable Care Act specifically excludes undocumented immigrants from insurance coverage. How has that situation for undocumented immigrants changed over the past five years? Has it all been downhill? 
It has definitely not been uphill. Um, and the, absolutely, the political climate has made it harder and harder. Um, I think the biggest change is coming now with the Affordable Care Act. I think things were hobbling along to some extent over the last five years. Sadly, a lot of what she wrote was is remained true. There was some deterioration. Certainly, national sentiment has gotten more sour in this regard. Uh, but the Affordable Care Act, with all of its wonderful provisions in a lot of ways, an issue of great concern for us is the impact on undocumented immigrants' access to care. You know, it's a group that's been quite visibly and deliberately left out. And, you know, there are large numbers of undocumented immigrants, and we're really worried. And I want to take sort of this time to just point out that undocumented immigrants pay a lot into the system, and they bring a lot to the system, not only cultural enrichment, uh, but in the terms of the revitalization of many neighborhoods and cities and really contributing so much in those ways, but also contributing directly financially through the payment of taxes. Undocumented immigrants often pay taxes, payroll taxes, pay wages, taxes on their wages. They pay a lot in sales tax, you know, that keeps the infrastructure humming. You know, it's been noted by the General Accounting Office that undocumented immigrants have been very instrumental in helping Medicare to have additional funds because many undocumented immigrants pay into the Medicare system but yet will never access services that are paid for by Medicare. And so undocumented immigrants are making tremendous contributions generally and also financially to the system, yet have quite deliberately been left out of the Affordable Care Act. So um, we're looking at really worrisome times for undocumented immigrants with the Affordable Care Act. We're looking at a significant decrease in the disproportionate share dollars that healthcare facilities that take care of undocumented immigrants receive. Um, that's going to really jeopardize their financial stability and their ability to care for the undocumented immigrants. The revenues that are expected to come into healthcare facilities with the growth of the insured population really won't help those facilities that much because such a large proportion of their uh, patient population is undocumented. So I think we're really looking towards the potential for deterioration of care for undocumented immigrants who may be living here for 10, 20 years or contributing. Oftentimes, their families are mixed-status families, so one person might be undocumented, another might be documented, another might have been born here. And what happens when uh, some people sort of are pushed out of the care system is that oftentimes the whole family is reluctant to seek care or worried to seek care because they're afraid of the ramifications for their undocumented family members. So we'll see not only a deterioration in the care and the health status of the undocumented population, but also potentially in their family members who have been living here with documentation status and might all even have been born here, especially the kids who oftentimes have been born here and are citizens from birth. There are public health as well as ethical arguments in favor of taking care of undocumented immigrants and, and providing them with preventive care as well as 
treating disease. Do you think our current policy is, is penny-wise and pound-foolish? Absolutely. There is no question that by not providing primary preventive care, we're going to pay for it further down the road. We can, we'll pay for it. We, I already mentioned in terms of cancer care that is much more expensive and less effective. We can pay for it. We'll pay for it if people aren't coming in for immunizations and then we see outbreaks, disease outbreaks. We'll pay for it in debilitating chronic diseases, potentially, that if treated, people could live healthy, productive lives. If untreated early on, people will really suffer. And it, again, it has that ripple effect on the whole family unit, which, as I mentioned, is a mixed status unit oftentimes in terms of immigration status. So there's no question that by neglecting early on, uh, we all suffer the consequences later on. And of course, ethically, uh, um, people are people, and everybody should be getting health care and be um, subject to conditions that let them lead healthy, productive lives. Dr. Breen ends his article on an optimistic note. He suggests that physicians might respond to the exclusion of undocumented immigrants from the ACA by offering services directly to them, at least, I think, parenthetically, the ones who can pay for the services. What do you see as the outlook for immigrant health care in this country? So, you know, I would hope that my fellow physicians would be more than happy to take care of anyone in need. You know, especially um, those who are able to pay, that's not that generous in spirit. I mean, and I'm sure they would be willing to take care of people able to pay. Why not? But many aren't able to pay. And that is just, I don't think, an effective approach to be thinking about that as the solution. There are estimates of 11 million undocumented immigrants in the U.S. And that's a lot of people who need care and should be getting primary and preventive care, and many, you know, would not be able to come forward for ongoing care if they had to pay. There really needs to be a system solution. Even if somebody is willing to see a patient and and do the primary care visit, um, if somebody needs a test that's expensive or an intervention that requires technology and they need that only at the hospital, then it's great to see them in the office and take care of them there, but then you can't really do the next step, so people's hands are tied. And then it's really obviously not equal care. It's, it's really second, third, or fourth-rate care. Circling back to the cancer example, there are a lot of supplies that go along with treatment for cancer that can be costly, and if somebody's willing to see a patient and follow up with them, what about chemotherapy, which is costly? What about lymphedema supplies? And that's just in you know the cancer setting. So it's optimistic to think that fellow providers will roll up their sleeves and do the right thing. But unfortunately, it's, it is not a solution, in my opinion, because of the complexity sometimes of care needed and because if people don't feel that they have a right to come in for care, they won't come in for care. And we see that all the time in our work. 
part of what we do as a center is we go out there into the community. We interface with community-based organizations. We let the patients know, the community members know that they are entitled for care, to come in for care. It doesn't matter right now what their immigration status is. They are entitled to come into care, and we are met with surprise, people who just don't know that. And I think, you know, physicians being willing to see patients who are not covered under the Affordable Care Act, that won't be enough to get them in, and it's not a long-term solution. So I am less optimistic in terms of that as a solution. What I am hopeful about is that ultimately we will do the right thing, and that will be in a systems way. There are a growing number of immigrant advocacy organizations um, more than there were five years ago, more than there were ten years ago, really advocating for the needs of those who aren't a voting block. And my hope, my optimism comes from the ability of all of us um, in the immigrant health advocacy world to come together and really push the agenda forward so that it is more inclusive and so everybody can get a reasonable, good level of care, everybody who lives in the United States, because we all work together for the growth of the country and the benefit of the country, and so we should all benefit from um, the services that are out there. Thank you, Dr. Ganey.